And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Mark Hodges, who was recently here, and we spoke about his NDE where he was gone for a thousand years. He's had a second NDE, and today we're going to talk about it. Mark, thanks for joining me, and welcome back. All right. It's good to be back, Jeff, and thanks to you and Mara for uh, hosting me again. And um, I met a whole lot of your listeners over the last week, and um, I've had a really good time meeting them, and it's been like a giant family reunion around here. (laughs) That's great. Uh, um, Yeah. So, okay, we're going to talk about the second NDE, which was a totally different experience, and I kind of wanted your listeners to know that from my vantage point, um, the second NDE was when I was induced into a coma when I didn't know I was being put into a coma. (laughs) And I woke up in the middle of this coma, not knowing what had happened. So I wanted a, a different perspective on what can be happening if you or your loved ones ever find themselves in this kind of situation, what to kind of expect and um, the possibilities that exist. So my last India we talked about on the podcast last time was uh, in 2011-12. Now we're going to fast forward to 2017. And um, I thought my life was, I thought all my surgery days were over, but Turns out I had two more emergency surgeries to come that I didn't know about. So I went to Nashville, Tennessee to visit some friends of mine uh, for Christmas uh, that year. It would have been 2016 going into 2017. And on Christmas Eve, actually, I got to the hospital in the ambulance right at midnight on Christmas Day of, of 2016. So uh, that's what started it all. I, I had no idea I was going to be in the hospital all winter <laughs> after that. <laughs> but um, uh, so I had more complications with that mesh I told you they put in me last time. And um, turns out it got infected. Um, they didn't know that when they brought me in. I I just presented with obstructed bowel and you know uh, severe abdominal pain that's all they knew at the time so um a couple more weeks after that i didn't improve and they had to do exploratory surgery so they didn't know what they were going to find when they went in there and um the first surgery went uh kind of normal they didn't uh, notice that the mesh had been infected but it really was really bad they didn't know it i guess i don't know how good they looked or whatever um but so when i got when i got back to my room after that first surgery um everything seemed fine you know i had a bunch of staples in me and stuff you know i knew they had opened me all the way up again but uh, I was in some horrific pain. They brought this even they they even brought this dilated pump in my room, which I never had before. And I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm not going to be at, I'm not going to be in pain now." But the problem was, every time I hit that button to get more pain medication, my pain got worse. It seemed like, um, and so a couple hours after that surgery, uh, I I was so bad that I was on the floor and. Uh, I'm going to spare the gruesome details, but just put it this way. Some fluid was leaking out of me and stuff. And um, all the nurses came running in. They called the doctor or the surgeon that was on call or whatever. They called him. And I don't, uh, all I remember, I was in so much pain. They started putting IVs in me. I was, I was laying on the floor in my room and they started putting IVs in me and um, they started, you know, they, I went to sleep, you know, they gave me some kind of sedative, I guess. And that's the last thing I remember about that experience. Um, when, uh, <laughs> when I woke up, I, I was in a coma, but I didn't know I was in a coma. Um, 
So I, I can tell you the drugs they were giving me. I had two central lines in my neck. And they were giving me these drugs like Presidex was one of them. I'm sure if you have any surgeon, I know you have at least one anesthesiologist uh, that watches this. Um, I haven't even been able to comment on your comments yet because I've had too many on my side to deal with. So, But I know there's one anesthesiologist in your group. And I wanted to tell her, I'm sorry if I offended her or anybody else that's a surgeon. I didn't really want to put them all in the same category, you know, like... Uh, in general, yes, they have God complexes, but I know there's a few good surgeons. I've met them. I didn't want them to think that I was saying every surgeon is like that. But <laughs> anyway, I uh, digress. Um, so when I woke up in this coma, I saw the only thing I saw was black, just uh, total black. I, I didn't know where I was. I, all I knew that I had woke up somehow, and after a while, I I figured I was dead. You know, I didn't know what else to think. Like at that point, um, but it wasn't like my first experience. So I was telling them I, I was just as wide awake as I'm talking to you right now in this experience. Um, but I couldn't move anything. I was totally paralyzed, and um, what I saw first was. It was like looking down, a, imagine like uh, you're in a long, um, you're in a big uh, air duct vent. All you can see is like this big chrome vent, like as far as you can see. And that's kind of what I saw, but it was kind of shadowy. And at the very, very end of this vent, I saw this door open, kind of like, uh, it reminded me kind of like, you know, when uh, there's a little there's a little slit where you slide the tray in for a prisoner, like in solitary confinement or something. It kind of looked like that. And this woman kept opening it and looking at me all the way down this kind of tunnel. She would open it and she would say something, but it sounded like she was mumbling. So I couldn't really understand what she was saying. And then I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm just sitting here in the dark and there's a lady trying to talk to me on the other end of this tunnel. <laughs> this is what I experienced when I woke up in this coma. So eventually this kept happening over and over and different people would open this window and talk to me and then close the window. And after a while, this darkness became brighter and brighter and brighter. And my whole field of vision was like blue, like a blue sky. And all these, all these windows kind of like, uh, Kind of like if you're watching YouTube, you have all those little windows you can click on to play different videos. It looked just like that, except it was a different kind of interface. It was more chrome-ish. Like everything was chrome. And all these videos just started coming in line, one after the other. Like, And they were squares. They weren't circles or anything. They were squares. And as my whole field of vision was covered with all these squares that I could click on with my mind because... I was paralyzed. I couldn't move any of my body parts. So I sat there and I just clicked on each video with my mind. And every video I clicked on was a different outcome that I could have had. <laughs> I guess you could say it's kind of like a quantum physics, another quantum physics puzzle to solve, I guess. And after a while, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm dead. So I guess one of these videos might give me a clue on how I died. Let me stop you for one moment. I want to get this question in. At this time, did you ever consider, hey, my last NDE was nothing like this. What's going on? Absolutely. Yeah, I thought I said that, but I guess I didn't say it for good enough. Yeah, exactly. I said, this is nothing like my last experience. But what? How else could I explain what was going on? I see. I had no. The last thing I remember, I was on my uh, my hospital room floor in a lot of pain, and now I'm in this void of some kind. I didn't know I was in a coma. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I, there's no way they could have told me because I was under general anesthesia when they did all this. You know, so yeah. I look, I'm I'm telling you, I had all my faculties. 
my spirit was intact. Um, my body was just paralyzed. But everything else about me, my my mind, everything was. Now the the question I have is: Was I out of my body at this point, or was I still in my body? It's a good question. I don't I don't I don't have an answer for that. But I'm assuming that I was closer to my body than I was in the first experience. Anyway, because this went on for a long time. I was in this place where the sky was blue and all these windows existed everywhere. And I just kept playing the same videos over and over and they would always end the same way without telling me how I died. Um, and so I went to this one video, this one video looked like it, it was close to the one I needed to see because it showed me they were having a hard, really hard time with my breathing and I would get to a certain point and the video would end. And I must have played this video like a hundred times, it seemed, because I'm like, this has got to be it. This has got to be the one video that I need, I really need to pay attention to because this is looks like I was struggling to breathe and I must have stopped breathing. This must be why this video is here. And uh, I didn't recognize anybody in the video. Um, there was like three or four nurses. Two were male nurses and two were female nurses. I can tell you that. Um, I I ended up meeting these nurses later on, but I had never seen them up to this point. Um, so that uh, this went on for a long time. This watching video. So then, what happened was. Um, Uh, that that world kind of went away a little bit, and I noticed uh, the nurses kept coming in, and they they would take these wa they had these washcloths over my eyes, so when they took those off, I could see in my room. <laughs> but I didn't. I still didn't understand what was going on with me. I, all, all I knew is I couldn't move. I was totally paralyzed. I couldn't blink. Couldn't talk, couldn't do anything. I was just laying there. But I was trying to communicate with them in some way, but there's no way. When you're paralyzed, there is no way to communicate. It's the most frustrating experience I could ever tell you. It's the worst torture. I, I think I'd rather be waterboarded maybe than go through this again. It was so bad. But then at a certain point, they put the washcloths back on my eyes and everything went dark again. And this thing came up with all these videos again so again i went through all of them trying to figure out what is going on um and i i played this this one video like i said over and over and over and over again and it always ended and i kept wondering why it ended it seemed like it should have gone on like i should have been able to fight to get past that point but i it always ended right when uh i had a choice whether i, I was going to live or die you know um so eventually this this game of taking the washcloths off my eyes and op opening or taking them off and putting them on there again this went on for several days and i just played videos and uh, got to see in my room once in a while but um, I never figured out that I was in a coma until after I came out of the coma. But remember last time I told you I, I had weird reactions to medications. So my guess is uh, one thing they were giving me is, is fentanyl. Fentanyl to me, it does nothing to me. It doesn't kill pain. It doesn't. I'm telling you, I hear about all these deaths of overdoses. And for me, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't kill me. <laughs> For sure. But I think that's why I had my experience the way I did is because I I didn't have enough of a drug to keep me out. So I didn't remember. You're not supposed to wake up in your coma like that, they said. <laughs> but I, uh, so eventually what was weird is I was playing this video that always ended and this time it didn't end. There came a point when the video didn't end. So I don't know why, how that works, or, but there came a point where I had to make a decision whether I was going to come out of this coma or 
or or I don't know, die maybe. I don't know. But there came a there came a decision I had to make. And so I said, okay, we're gonna keep watching this video. It kept going. And I was really surprised. I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere now. And so as the video continued past the point where it always stopped, uh people were telling me to breathe because I wasn't breathing because my lungs were paralyzed. And they said, if you want to get this thing out of your uh, out of your chest, you have to breathe. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to go back under. <laughs> so I fought. I fought. And there were like, um, I finally got one toe to move. Because, you know, all my muscles were paralyzed. So I finally got a toe to move. And uh, my first job in the Air Force was to copy Morse code. That's what I did. So I was trying to send the nurses Morse code with my toe on the bed, on the end of the bed. <laughs> One of the nurses just happened to know Morse code. And he saw what I was doing with my toe. He goes, are you trying to send me Morse code? And he goes, do one for yes or two for no, whatever. And so I did that. And so he went and got a pad of paper. And I was I talked to him for a long time like that, just with my toe. <laughs> and um, eventually I came out of that. Okay. But, uh, and then they told me everything that happened. And um, it was pretty cool experience because I had, I had all the nurses and doctors in the uh, critical care unit in my room listening to me tell them what was happening inside my room the whole time I was in a coma. Well, the part that I remembered anyway. And I was like, oh, you you two were talking about this certain subject you're studying in school on this day. And it was pretty cool. So I guess my message to people is if you know somebody that's in a coma or if you're a caregiver, a medical worker, don't assume that person is dead or gone because I have I'm living proof that I was in that body and I was alive when they thought I was completely out of it you know and um, yeah it wasn't like an experience like the first one but it was pretty cool in the fact that I got to see a little behind the scenes on how quantum mechanics work in these kind of situations it allowed me to see there's there's more than one outcome that's possible and in that case, we have to make a choice, just like any other near-death experience, on if we want to live or not. It's no different, just a little bit. Well, it's different, but it's along the same lines. But um, I don't know. there you go. That's that's the experience I had on my second one. <laughs> Did you ever ask the nurses if they were physically like covering your eyes with something? Yeah, I told them all. I was mad. I was angry. Not only that, but I hadn't eaten in a very long time, several months at that point. I hadn't eaten anything by mouth. If any of your medical professionals in the audience, they'll, they'll know uh, uh, MPO very well, that term. It means nil per, nil per oral. It's a Latin for nothing by mouth. <laughs> Um, so I always said MPO on my chart always, and somebody turned on the food channel in my room the whole time I was in this coma. So I, I heard the commercials after I really fully came awake inside my body. I, I, I heard, and I saw the TV when they took the washcloths off, but there was only some nurses didn't put it back on, but this one nurse was notorious for putting them back on and you can't. You know, I, I can't chastise her because she was just doing her job. And I guess they put the washcloths over your eyes so your eyes don't dry out because you can't blink them. <laughs> can't blink your eyes. Everything is just imagine everything is you're kind of like in Dexter, you know, when he injects them with that stuff. They're just you can't move. You're just totally you're totally paralyzed. You can't do anything. But your mind works fine or your spirit works fine, I guess you could say. But your body's completely paralyzed, but your your spirit is wide awake. And um, I've never heard anybody talk about that. I, I've heard all kinds of stories about people being in comas and some people actually go places, but I didn't go anywhere. I was just there the whole time. 
as far as I can tell. But this void I was in with all these windows, that was pretty cool. That, I don't know where I was. I don't know if I was still in the body or if I was outside the body in another realm. I'm not sure yet. How long were you in the coma for? About a week, something like that. How long? It felt did... longer. It felt longer than that, though. But um, yeah. <laughs> How did the staff react when you were telling them? You know, I saw you talking to this oh, person. I had a crowd because people were going and getting people and bringing them back in to listen to me, and I just kept talking, and, and the, they couldn't believe it. They were baffled. One doctor tried to explain it away by something, uh, not psychosis, but he called it something. He goes, eh, once in a while, you can have these, he called it periods of something, not dementia, not, I, I can't remember the term. If you told me, I would know it, but not hysteria. But he's like, uh, you could have had one of these, we call it whatever the word is. And, but I don't know. Um to me, uh, I was wide awake. I wasn't hallucinating, you know, nothing like that. I was completely wide awake and very angry because I couldn't see and I couldn't move. And my bed was one of those beds where it moves for you. <laughs> I don't know what they call those things, but I was really mad at that because it contorts your body into all these different positions, I guess, so you don't get bed sores. Mm -hmm. So that's what it was doing the whole time I was in this coma was this bed kept moving and I wanted to stop it. And I couldn't tell anybody to stop it. I couldn't tell anybody to take the washcloths off my eyes and stuff. So it was a very, very frustrating experience. It, it was like torture, complete torture. Do you feel like it spiritually transformed you at all? Like your first NDE? No, matter of fact, uh, I, I was happy to be out of it. <laughs> there was nothing happy about it. There was no warm feeling like I felt when I came out of my body during my first NDE. There was not, none of that. It was just complete torture. From the, the only cool part was the video part where I was in some other kind of place and I could use my mind to, to watch the different videos. Now, who knows where I was at? It didn't seem like I was actually out of, in a place. I was in some kind of zone or where time stopped kind of thing. You know, we talk quite a bit about what we kind of call the black void. And yeah. that's, that's the one subject that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. And Me too. I'm not sure. And, and it. And I'm not sure if you're leaving your body and going to this black void or it's like an intermediary place between leaving your body and leaving your consciousness yeah. somewhere. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're still within your body, but in a space. Right. Because remember, the first thing I knew when I woke up or when I became cognitive was I was in this black void with a long, this long shaft. And I was looking way down it. And this might have been the void that people talk about. I don't know. It's definitely all dark. No light whatsoever. The only light that came was when these nurses, I guess that's who it was, were doing something. Probably the washcloths on my eyes. Maybe the drugs were just starting to wear off a little bit more so I could see this experience. I'm not sure, but that's the only light I had. Everything else was complete darkness. And then it all just went to a blue this this remember those original those very first windows microsoft windows yeah uh backgrounds with the blue sky and the kind of a little bit of green grass so that's kind of lo what it looked like and uh it was really cool I mean, that that was the coolest part of the experience everything else was terrible <laughs> It's kind of like you had a life review, but not really. Instead of reviewing your life, it looked like you had other possible outcomes. That's right. That's right. Which was different than my first one. The first one is, well, kind of along the same lines, if you think about it. I just didn't live them. I just saw videos. I wasn't actually living the lives like I was in the first indeed. This one was, I could take my pick and see all the different possibilities that could come. And I chose the one I thought was, I had the best shot of getting past. And for somehow, for some reason, that video just continued on 
after a while, but it stopped every time. And I had to, you know, it would just go back to the beginning. You didn't have to rewind it. It would already be back at the beginning once it finished. So I just kept tapping it with my mind and eventually it didn't end. I thought that was really interesting. Um, that just shows you how many, I don't know how deep this rabbit hole goes. Like there has to be some kind of mainframe computer somewhere that's keeping track of all these moves, you know, <laughs> all these nanoseconds apart where these lives are still going on. Even centuries ago, that those iterations, as far as I can tell, are still going on, on and on and on. But it seems like they would have to end at a certain point. Maybe when everything, you get it right, like in Groundhog Day, he had to go through it over and over until they got it right. At what point do we does that timeline end and a new timeline begin, you know, like on a new kind of experience or a new body? Now, didn't last time we talk about or you mentioned that all of our lives are all playing out at the same time and that's what deja vu is when they kind of overlap each other in the same physical space yeah like you're right you're writing a letter uh, in this one life you could be writing this sentence in the next life you could be writing uh the first part or the last part of the sentence and it just keeps going like that that's how close they're threaded together and this goes on and on it's i never saw an end to those cycles so Let's say you uh, you walked up to the edge of a cliff and you looked over. Well, you're going to walk up to that cliff and look over the edge an, an infinite amount of times, depending on the choices others make in the whole universe. <laughs> it's that extensive. And there has to be some kind of supercomputer that keeps track of all that, because how else can how else can all this happened unchecked it's got to be checked somehow you know what i mean <laughs> now is it possible that this black void is outside of all these timelines possible like yeah. he stepped out of the timelines and 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 yeah maybe because, even those pictures or entry points into different timelines yeah uh, there were so many windows in this blue sky like realm and to me time had just completely stopped because the only thing I had was videos to play. I didn't have anything else going around me. And there was no people. There was no places. There was just this blue blue sky everywhere, like a panorama view and all these windows. And the windows look really cool, too. Um, I think they would look cool, like, on your, on your desktop or whatever, too, if I could recreate it somehow. <laughs> but uh, much better than the windows we have now. But um, there are these little windows. And... Yeah, time seemed to stop. So it was like I was stepping outside of that, um, all that crazy quantum leap stuff. And I was looking in from a different angle, like outside the time. That that way I could play all these different things that could have happened if I made a choice to breathe when they were telling me to breathe and all this stuff. Uh, I saw a bunch of things bunch of possible outcomes but this one i chose because it seemed like the best chance i had to survive it when you were watching the videos were you watching it like a third person or were you watching it and reliving it at the same time yeah i didn't see myself it was all point of view at this point all the videos were point of view mm. i could see everybody else in the room around me but i couldn't see me did it feel like you were re-experiencing it? Yes. Yes, exactly. And I'm, I didn't remember any of it. When I was watching all these videos, I didn't remember anything that I was seeing in the videos. But I'm like, they must have happened because why else? Why are they here? Why can I click on something? And they weren't, they were not parts of my life outside of that experience, like from childhood or anything like that. They were all had to do with this one coma and being in the hospital but um a lot of the stuff i saw never happened i never saw happen i told the nurses and doctors this is what I, I told them everything i'm telling you right now it took a long time to tell them too and i was telling them i said i saw this and this and this and they were like no 
um, we didn't have that nurse working today or something. You know, they, they said some of the things I said should have happened, but they didn't because the one nurse called in sick or something. So that led me to believe that there was possible outcomes. My, my outcome was based on other people's decisions as well not just mine but other people too <laughs> like i saw a nurse that was supposed to be there that day but wasn't in one of those videos she called in sick and so that video became obsolete but i didn't know that but i put a couple of those things i put two and two together on some of those videos af after the fact and uh i mean i may never know all the <laughs> far reaches of where those videos go and how they affect other people but it's very interesting <laughs> also for the doctors and medical staff on your show that are watching the reason they put me into a coma was because i developed this thing called a fistula which is a fancy medical term for a tunnel <laughs> when you're I, de I developed a tunnel between the inside of my abdomen and the outside so when that happens, it's a pretty serious thing. Um, and that's why you they put you in a coma so you can't move so that can heal properly. <laughs> I'm going to switch gears with you, Mark. And okay. I want to talk about your astral projections. Have you been doing that after your NDEs or before? After. Because I was looking, I was looking to figure out how all that happened to me in the beginning and i just happened to land in a place online where everybody was actively trying to do that i i, I had never heard of that term before possibly i heard of out-of-body experience but i don't think so and like i was telling you last time I, I grew up in a religion that believed when you die you just stay in the ground um so <laughs> Uh, it took a lot of experience for me to figure out that that what I grew up with probably is not true or can't be true as far as I know. Um, so, so yeah, so, and I, I had a few live streams on my channel this last week on astral projection too, because a lot of your listeners that came over to meet me, um, that's their number one Thing on their list they wanted to know more about so I, I so anybody watching that hasn't come to my channel you can come there and you know, i give a real detailed breakdown of all the mechanics you need to do it and how to how to have your first experience but i'm not going to go into that with you though <laughs> well was your first experience by accident or did you purposely intend to do it i purposely intended to do it yeah and i came at it from a very scientific point of view i didn't come at it from a spiritual point of view because you know i i like i'm the type of person I, I have to see things work i have to see them work and uh that's how i validate stuff just like any scientist would you know i don't like theories i like to prove things you know so i set out to prove this was true because in theory in my mind uh, i'd like to see how things work so i wanted to see if in, th in theory, if I had my near-death experience the way I had, in theory, I would have the same kind of experience with this, too, once I learned about it. And once these people uh, explained to me that I could come out of my body without dying, that's, somebody told me that. That's what really caught my attention was somebody told me, Mark, you don't need to die to experience what you experience. Somebody told me that once. And that's what that's what got me interested in this. Um so yeah so i set out and it took me 56 nights to achieve my first out-of-body experience very frustrating nights i must tell you but um <laughs> it changed this changed my life probably more than my near-death experiences changed my life um because it was it was more of an achievement like i made it happen instead of it happening to me you know <laughs> does that make sense mm -hmm. so what else do you want to know um i could tell you the mechanics but that would take about three hours and 12 minutes 
Well, <laughs> and we don't have time for that. <laughs> no. We'll yeah, to... that's, how, that, that's how long the first stream was. And then the second stream was just a review of all that. And that still took two hours and 12 minutes with everybody's questions and everything. So, Well, if you've tried it 56 times, I would assume that it's not easy. No, it's not easy. Uh, and uh, I'll give a few... I'll give you a few things instead of going into all the, instead of going into how to do it, I'm going to tell you what not to do to do it. Uh, okay. th that's only a few things. So number one, uh, I, I told, uh, I told all the new subscribers that came over to my channel that the number one reason why people fail to astral project when they try it is because they're afraid of something. They're either afraid to do that or they're afraid of something and you got to have love in your heart to do it. I found that out. You got to have love in your heart. And how do you do that? Or some people call it raising your vibration, but really you have to just pump as much love into this heart chakra, if you will. Uh, and and uh, kind of like that feeling when you die, you, you just feel this warm, loving feeling. You want to get as much of that as you can inside here and that is a big key to projecting. Um, so getting rid of your fear, that's probably the number 90, 95%, 97% of the problems people have is they're afraid to do it or they're afraid of something that's going to happen when they do it. Like uh, number one fear probably is uh, fear, the fear of not being able to come back to your body. <laughs> but um there's nothing to worry about there at all. Would you say there's nothing to fear at all in doing it? Nothing to fear. Nope. And um, I, I also mentioned there's a, so many, there's so much in, misinformation online about this um, that it's hard to discern who's telling you what's really going on, who's not. And that's pretty easy for me since I've already done it. I know who's who's not being honest with people and who is, but uh, if you're doing it for the first time, you know, you're kind of uh, vulnerable because there's so many different techniques people teach on how to do it, but it's really simple. There's like five things and on my streams. I, I have five ingredients that you need. You need to relax your body, love in your heart, um, set your intention and stay focused on your intention and that's when you pump that love into your third eye and out as you breathe. That's the best way to to come out. And remember, I told you last the last uh, interview we had that we had these little stars, these little dots. It's a data stream. Well, when you project out of your body, you want to go against that stream. You're you're like swimming up river like a salmon, right? <laughs> and then you die right now. Um, so you swim upstream, and the way you do that is you imagine yourself doing something uh, active, like you're running, you could be swimming. I found that that's a good one to do. You imagine yourself swimming through those dots like that, you know, just swimming through the dots. As long as you're moving with your mind, you go past the dots, and that's when uh, things really start accelerating after that. After you pass that data stream, then all the stuff starts happening. Your your melatonin starts getting injected into your muscles. And I call that the wave, riding the wave. Because <laughs> it feels like a wave coming over your body. And um, people also get panicked when it hits their chest. Just like I was in my second NDE. Your chest, uh, basically, you, you go into a coma. Everybody goes into a coma every night when they sleep. I know it sounds weird, but it's true. Mm -hmm. melatonin gets injected into our bodies when we sleep so we don't sleepwalk so i guess people that sleepwalk have a lack of melatonin uh somehow i don't know that's above my pay grade as far as how that works but <laughs> um but i'm gonna i'm gonna find out all these things one day it's just a matter of time because i'm very curious about it and i constantly learn about the mechanics on how it works but while you were astral projecting have you ever ran into other beings out there oh yeah not uh, yeah and there's so many you can there's beings that 
look like insects. Um, there's beings, there's all different kinds of beings, different, um, there's beings that um, are smarter, have more knowledge than you, and there's beings that don't. And so what I tell everybody is always keep love in your heart and that way your vibration is higher and you'll only go to the, the good places. There's bad places you can go to, but I've never been to any of them. Uh, like, you know, lower levels, like dark levels, like let's say you're depressed and you don't have love in your heart. You're going to go to a depressing level wherever you go. When you come out of your body, you're going to see things that are probably not nice. You're going to experience things. This is all in theory. I've never experienced it, but you'll hear there's plenty of these stories online you can read about, you know, mm -hmm. and this scares people. And this is what irks me is because these people that have never even tried, they get so scared that these things are going to happen to them that they just don't even think about attempting it. So I'm trying to dispel a lot of those things. But yeah, you can see demons. You can see all that stuff. If you're vibrating very low, you're riding on the dark colors, I call it, because the blue, the, the cool colors is where you want to be. And that's how you travel interdimension. You travel by colors and frequency, frequency of colors. That's how you go into each dimension. So your cooler colors like blue, green, yellow, I mean, not yellow, um, purple, violet, those kind of colors will give you the best results. You go to the better levels. But the darker colors, you'll go to the, the darker levels. <laughs> so when you raise your vibration, that automatically uh, changes the colors. <laughs> and you can see those little dots in that data stream. They'll change colors to the colors I'm talking about. You know, I remember last time you spoke about the data stream and I forgot what you mentioned last time, but it was basically how you would focus your thoughts or something and you would yeah. see the data stream. Yeah. So if you close your eyes, Jeff, I don't know if everybody sees it the same way I do. I don't know that because I'm not you, <laughs> but the way I do it, if I close my eyes right now, you're going to see a bunch of just... By the way, if you wave your hand physically in front of your face, you can see it too, even with your eyes closed. But when you get better at projecting, you'll actually see your energy hands. You can wave your, your hand in front of your face with your mind and you'll see that too. It's kind of weird how that works. But if you close your eyes and you look right here above the bridge of your nose, and if you look really good, you'll see this little round circle and you'll see all these little dots streaming towards you okay now i figured out by trial and error I, I didn't even know about this feature i found it by accident if you kind of cross your eyes with your mind not with your muscles because when you move a muscle you'll get out of the trance you're in that's basically what you do you hypnotize yourself and put yourself into a hypnagogic trance is what happens when you project. So when you're in a trance where you're getting into trance, this group of dots gets more pronounced and you can actually see them really good. And if you cross your eyes while you're looking at these dots, I, I found that this TV screen got activated inside my mind or inside my third eye or whatever you want to, however you want to say it. And after that gets activated, it's always there. I can't turn it off. I, I can not pay attention to it now but it takes a lot of energy to look at it and find out what's going on inside that screen but there's always things going on inside that screen always. Let, me <laughs> let me ask you this are you imagining the data stream or do you it just comes up and you are seeing it you see it you see it not only that but also there's this pulse from your heart whenever your heart beats you'll see this pulse come through there and it just kind of goes into that TV screen. And that's what kind of gives you the picture of that. Uh, I guess it's kind of like how plasma TVs work in a way, because it's dealing with gases and displaying gases in a certain way. But yeah, this, this pulse that comes with every heartbeat that actually gives you the electricity that powers this TV screen. I don't know how that works, but it's pretty cool. And as that, 
pulse of blood or whatever that liquid goes into the TV screen, you'll see different pictures that come on the screen. Like um, the first time I saw it come on, I was I was playing uh, I was I was watching people play a game we don't have here on this planet. Uh, it was like a cross between golf and croquet. <laughs> and the t the TV wasn't tuned in right. And uh, I seemed to be sitting in a little theater with a bunch of other people and I didn't have the remote control or somebody outside the remote and they kept changing channels from time to time. That's my first experience with this TV. And then I figured out I could jump in the TV and I could interact with what was going on inside the TV. That, that was pretty cool. And that's actually, I learned was a shortcut to astral projection. If you can activate that TV, you can just stop there and just jump in it with your mind. Once you're in it, you're just no different than you would normally come out of your body and go someplace. You just think about it. What do you think the data stream is? Great question. Um, it wasn't like my near-death experience where I experienced all these other lives. But there's all these things going on in unknown realms. I don't know where they take place at. I couldn't tell you what the... Uh, a lot of the places I was able to see were off-planet, out of this galaxy, I would say. Places where I'd never heard of before, where they spoke languages I didn't understand. Um, but to, and to telepathy, that's how you talk to these beings that you'll meet and come across. And um, one thing I want to talk about real fast is shadow people. This is something a lot of people experience when they astral project for the first time. They see these shadow people and they move really weird. Apparently they move like kind of like, uh, you know, those, uh, <laughs> those horror films when you see them they're making all these weird kind of moves, you know, like, uh, like they're stalking you or something. That's kind of how they move, and it freaks people out. I've never experienced them. Maybe my vibration's always been higher than the shadow people's vibration. I don't know. I've never experienced them, but a ton of people claim to interact with these shadow people, and um, they don't talk back to you, I don't think, these beings. But there's a lot of other beings that you can interact with. Um and there's beings, Jeff, that I talked to. They talked to me through my mind. They were speaking vocally, but it was just gibberish. I didn't understand what they were saying, but in my mind, it sounded perfect. It, you know, it came in just perfect. And some of them had, uh, they looked like uh, lizard people, but not like not like you're thinking. They didn't look like a crocodile or a, <laughs> a, a monitor lizard. These were people that looked just like you and me, but their skin was scaly, but it was smooth. Does that make sense? Um, I touched their skin, so I know how it felt. It's like it felt just like this skin, but it looks like reptile skin. But they're beautiful. I mean, the women had lipstick on and everything, and they looked perfectly normal to me. Uh, when normally I probably wouldn't think that if I was in this body, but <laughs> um all the all the characters you see that are on hieroglyphics in egypt like uh like toth with the the stork head uh i interacted with beings that like that matter of fact i got to see a similar scene uh, when jfk was shot in dallas texas back in the day i saw a scene where there was two females with those stork like heads um, I know it sounds weird, man. People are going to think I'm crazy, but this is exactly what I experienced. And then uh, instead of uh, President Kennedy, it was one of these lizard-type guys with the lizard skin, but it looked just like you and me, just different kind of pigment skin. And it looks scaly, but it's not scaly. I'm telling you, when you touch the skin, it's just like our skin, but it looks like it would be if you touch the belly of an alligator i guess you could say but it's not rough like that it's just real smooth and so i saw him get assassinated just like kennedy did i saw a bunch of stuff like that like alternate histories with other types of beings like our history with other kind of beings playing the parts it was really weird but 
uh, you know, like the Anubas, all the jackals, all that stuff. There's beings like that that look just like that. You can talk to them. Has any being ever shared the future with you that has come true? Well, I still haven't. I still haven't got the lottery numbers yet. <laughs> but I think uh, no. I'm just kind of joking about that because really, you don't want to win the lottery like that because it comes with a lot of karma. But <laughs> well, what about this? What if you can remember it? What is the most shocking or surprising thing that a being has told you? Well, I had a be being told me that my soul had a mother. That was pretty cool. Your soul had a what? A mother. Hmm. My soul was given birth to from a, a some girl. Her name was Rochelli. I'll never forget it. And this was a lizard being that told me this. I know you're going to get, I know, I don't want people to think this is like some kind of monitor lizard with the human legs. No. This is a person you would not know the difference if you were looking at a lineup other than the pigment of their skin and the way it looked scaly. Other than that, I mean, they wear clothes kind of like, just like us, but different kinds of suits and things. So you really can't see the whole body like that. You can just see parts of the body, like maybe on the face. I don't want people to think these are lizard people. These are reptilians or whatever. These are, no, these are real beings with real bodies they're way smarter than us um they're very oh my god they're so knowledgeable they um and that's the cool thing you can you have to be careful so in your intention whenever you travel you always want to make an affirmation that you want to meet somebody at your intelligence level or higher and that's the way robert monroe teaches taught when he was still alive he taught when he did his affirmation, he always asked that he communicate with beings with same or greater intelligence. And you always want to do that because you don't want to talk to somebody that's going to lead you astray or try to. From what I've heard, you can get into some kind of bad situations when you project. If you have your vibration low enough, you can get into some pretty hectic situations. But... Do you say that affirmation before you do astral project? Yep. It's one of the very first things you do. You want to set your intention. So you also want to clear your mind. That's easier said than done. Um, uh, you have to clear your mind. And I learned a new technique from, uh, from a girl. I just found her channel the other day. She says, focus on your throat. You focus on your throat. It will clear your mind, but I haven't tried it yet, but I told everybody on my channel that the other night i want to try it soon but you can also picture like an imaginary vault with a door facing you or your mind and you can just imagine all your thoughts getting sucked out of your mind into that vault and then you close the door that's another method to do it to clear your mind yeah i think um i've listened to some of the meditations on the monroe institute youtube channel and they like you to put your anxieties and whatever in a Mm -hmm. in, a, in a box and yeah, they, the box. They, they, I have a whole different terminology than, than they use. They call it, they are, there's something they call an energy balloon <laughs> and stuff like that. I don't call it that. They That's what they call it. But I understood everything they were saying after I had my experience. Um, yeah. And then um, once you, once you ha had the melatonin come, then your body, your body starts vibrating really fast. Like kind of like uh uh, kind of like bees in a beehive they all vibrate their wings to talk to each other kind of like that your body vibrates and that's when things start happening that's when if you make it to that point you're almost home free so then uh, a lot of people hear knocks on their door they hear bells ringing uh, me personally i hear a shotgun that goes off in my right ear and i don't know why it just goes off in my right ear not my left ear but it always goes off in this ear. And then I hear a voice, my name being whispered behind me by a female, usually. And right at that moment, that's when I, I feel that buzz go, that electric shock that goes all the way down my spine. And then at that point, you hear all your chakras release, or I, I call them spirit locks. <laughs> they release. It sounds like a city bus or a, or a big rig uh, tractor trailer just 
you. It's really loud. Everything you hear inside your body is loud. It's amplified like a hundred times. So when you hear that sound, it's going to sound like your body's just blowing up inside or something. But those are just your chakras releasing your body because those are like electromagnets that keep us really tight with our body. And, and when you die, like I was saying last time, that electricity is cut. When your heart stops, you have no more electricity. Those locks can't function anymore. There goes your soul. You know what I mean? That's how it works. So when you astral project, you're, you don't have to die, but you have to bypass that circuitry just like if you were to die. So the way you do that is you keep your mind awake while your body goes to sleep. That's the key. I'm going to get back to NDEs here. And I would like to know your advice for people who are grieving over the loss of loved ones and what you would tell them. Yeah, I actually had an epiphany on this in the last few days. So what I, what I, what I would tell them now <laughs> would be, okay, the grieving process can be short or it can be long. There is no right or wrong answer here. But on the other side of the grieving process is, uh, what did I come up? I came up with a term for this in my mind the other day. Um, I called it the next happiness. I think that's what I called it. Everybody ha always has a next happiness. So uh, it, it it's like a, uh, the, the, the next waypoint on your journey. So let's say somebody can't, somebody lost a husband a couple years ago or whatever, and they're still grieving, my message to them would be, okay, well, my epiphany is two parts. One is, one is look for all the patterns in your life, all the patterns that have repeated themselves. These are very important. And I had to learn this in my own life. It took me my whole adult life until my near-death experiences to figure this out. Um, it, it's so simple. If you just sit back, tune out everything, meditate, astral project, whatever you want to call it, you just tune everything out and really look at your inside. Listen to your inner self or your intuition and just go back, start with your first memories and just go back to your life and find out what things have I failed at in my life? Where, what things could I have made better? What decisions could I have made better? And not only that, but look at the people that were involved in your life when you made those decisions, and including the person they lost in this case, find out what lessons that person was here to teach you, or what lessons did you teach them so they could move on? Because I've already proven we don't, we don't die. We just we're already a million other places. We just come here to, to do uh, certain purposes sometimes, and then there's no longer a need for that purpose. When Once that purpose is solved, they can go back and roam about the cabin. You know what I mean? So we shouldn't be sad when they leave. Of course, it's natural to be sad. And maybe that's why you came here, is to feel that sadness. But just know, the longer you grieve and don't look for these patterns in your life um, and figure out why that person that passed was in your life to begin with, the, the, uh, the longer it's going to take you for the grieving process. Because once you understand why they came, you can make that okay within your soul and your heart. And once you have love in your heart, you can say, okay, let's continue on the journey and find that next happiness. Because the next happiness is waiting for you already. You just got to find it. You know what I mean? So that's the best advice I can give somebody. This is the epiphany I had is try to make the grieving process as little as possible by doing that. Finding the, finding the patterns and making it okay in your heart. And once you do that, you can forgive, love and move on to find that next happiness. Cause it's waiting for you. Believe me, it's waiting for you. You just got to get past this grieving hurdle to, to get to, to get there. And as soon as you do that, you'll be led on the right path to get there. <laughs> 
What's the name of your YouTube channel? It's called Old Scrolls. All right. <laughs> I'll put a link to it in the description oh, below. And one of your viewers that came over and subscribed to my channel, he came up with Game of Scrolls. Mm. So now I call all the listeners that tune in the game of scrolls family because <laughs> uh on, on my channel i had candles going all around me so there's not you know it's kind of dark and uh i'm wearing like a little monk's cool uh, coat and stuff or a little uh you know, bathrobe or whatever you want to call it it's kind of it's kind of mystical and uh it's it's uh we're going to be learning languages ancient languages because in my near-death experience, I learned, uh, I remembered, I saw lives where I was writing Japanese and other ancient languages. And my goal is, while we're learning these ancient languages, uh, hopefully that will jog something inside people's soul, so they'll remember writing ancient languages, and they can see who they really are inside. <laughs> and get some, some insights into their other lives. If people want to reach out to you and ask you questions, should they do that through the comment section of your video or should they email they, you or what? They can just friend me on Facebook. I've, uh, as, as we grow bigger here, it's going to get harder and harder to manage that. But um, that's the best way for right, for right now. That way uh, I'll get to your window when I can. <laughs> At one point I had hundreds of windows open and I just go with my intuition on where I should focus my attention on the most. So, you know, there's people that really needed my help. Or they just needed some help, period. And I try to focus on, and I try to triage people the best I can with my intuition. So that's the best way right now. And then, by all means, go in the comment section, make comments. I get to them when I can. But I still got to come on your channel and read your comments for the last video. I haven't. I've only been able to get, look at a few so far. I haven't checked, but I'm, I bet there's probably around a thousand. Oh yeah, probably. Um, I think last time I checked, there was like 48, 49,000 views on that video and um, a thousand came over and subscribed to my channel. So there's, still, <laughs> there's a lot of people on your channel for sure. Before we finish up, can you give us one last positive message? So let's put astral projection aside. Focus on your fear in your life, fear of everything. Our society is built around fear. It controls everything if you think about it. So get out of the habit of fearing things. You know, don't be afraid to die, number one, because, you know, Haji said we don't die. That's what people call me. They call me Haji because my last name's Hodges. So they usually call me Haji, Haji dog, uh, hodgepodge, hedgehog. <laughs> Most people just call me Haji, though. But, so Haji says we don't die. So, but that may not work with some people. They still may be kind of skeptical. So, um, you can prove it by learning how to astral project. But there's, a, uh, you don't have to die to realize we don't die. But um, just imagine every time you hear about a tragedy happening, whether it be a plane plowing into the ground or a building or a car crash or whatever there's some horrific crashes that happen every second in the world but i guarantee you even before that crash even happens these windows of possibility are always there and they're calculating things and when it sees there's no point there's a point of no return for you like you were going your body is definitely going to die in that crash your soul will be yanked out before that crash even happens you know so i hope that gives a lot of your listeners hope that you know i used to i before i knew all this probably realized all this i used to feel so bad for people that like in the world trade center when 9-11 happened i was feeling so bad for those people that were in the planes now i don't feel bad for them at all i feel bad for their families because their families don't understand what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, and that's really important. Uh, I feel bad for the family because I wish they understood that everything is okay. They, you know, um, those people are still with them. They feel like they're lost, but they're not. They're always with us. They're just, matter of fact, they may have the opposite role in another life that you have here now. 
because you can change roles you can you might be a father in this family in this life but maybe you're a son and that father you're a son in another life and one of your children in this life is your father in that life that can happen too i experienced that across the board so yeah you can be different genders you can be different roles and all this is going on at the same time so it's not like you're losing them you just you just weave in and out of each other's lives it's pretty it's pretty interesting how it works that way but there's so, so many questions i have you know like that i don't either don't remember or for some reason because because this brain is a trap there's so many things like is there a way to step outside the time like uh, I experienced when I was in a coma and and I was just in that dark and a blue void where times had stopped. Is there a way we can always just jump to that spot and just be in the video field, <laughs> you know, and just take a break from all the rat race that is going on in all the other lives. I have questions like that and um, I don't know how I'm going to get the answers. That's why I want to start projecting again so I can learn this knowledge and uh, I will share it with all you guys when I figure it all out one day. Once you do, we'll have to have you back and talk For about sure. it. For sure. It's going to be an exciting day. And I feel that's coming soon because all the synchronicities that have happened just this week with all the listeners, all those listeners that came from your channel to mine, it's just been amazing. Just some amazing stories that I don't have enough time to tell you. Just amazing. Just surreal. Well, Mark, thank you for your message and <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you for being my guest. My pleasure. Anytime, Jeff. All right. Mara, thanks for editing my videos. <laughs> thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.